welcome back, Poison Pals, to That Shit Is Poison, your favorite, the most favorite toxicology and true crime podcast with your host, Harini Bot, And your other host, Megan Gesner. Dude, it's been a while since we've recorded. It's been a hot minute. We took a break, Poison Pals, as you guys know, and we're back because this bitch got married. I'm talking about myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was just a nice little week of joy and love, and now we're back to reality. Yeah. All of us uh, are. I feel like we should just talk about the wedding a little bit because that's why <laughs> yeah. that's why we've been on pause, uh, yeah. Poison Pals. If you follow us on our social media platforms, you probably know that. Um, we posted some stuff from Harini's wedding on the That Shit Is Poison IG. But yeah, we've been, took a week off because uh, Harini got married a weekend ago from this recording date. And mm-hmm. honestly, it was like such a nice for the guests <laughs> for the guests and i was a bridesmaid but like uh it was like a nice little mini vacation and yeah everybody that i talked to like all our friends even, like people that stayed in the airbnb with me um friends that didn't stay in the airbnb anyway mm-hmm. everyone i talked to was like so relaxed and happy at the wedding and then when it was over all the group chats were like Oh man, we got to go back to real life now. Like it felt like a true mini vacation, which which is is exactly what we wanted. That was, that was Dave and I's goals to have, you know, there's been a lot of stuff that's been happening the last two years with COVID and whatnot and everyone's personal stuff. So let's just have, everyone needs a break. Yeah. And I honestly, I've been to so many weddings by now and they're not always the most uh, stress free for the obviously for like the family who's getting married, but also even for the guests, sometimes it can be a little mm-hmm. stressful, especially if you're involved in the wedding, like Megan was mm-hmm. as a bridesmaid. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, that's not what I want. Like, I just want it to be fun and relaxing and fun time mm-hmm. for everybody, mm-hmm. which I seems like that was what happened. So I'm happy with that. It was truly, I was trying to describe this to friends who are outside of our friend group who, you know, like they wouldn't have been invited to the wedding, but like, they're just, you know, they, they knew I was there and I tr- the word I used was the language I used to describe your wedding, Harini, was um, it was like the blueprint for how weddings should be in terms of just pure like relaxedness, like like because mm-hmm. weddings idealistically are a celebration, right? They yeah. should be empty of any stress, anxieties, but we know that's for a majority of weddings. There's always tons of stress, yeah. anxiety. Some guests don't always. have a good time because mm-hmm. then they feel they feel that from the bride and groom or the families are at conflict or whatever, right? <laughs> right. Um, but like your <laughs> wedding was so just stress free that yeah, all of our the friends leaving the wedding were like this this is exactly how we'd like to replicate that energy like when eventually when we all get married mm-hmm. we want to replicate that energy so absolutely yeah, and really i'm cool. looking forward to that <laughs> i know <laughs> fingers crossed so right we're all trying to we're all trying to like live up to the standard that you and dave had uh, have placed so that's awesome that's yeah. awesome no i i think i mean they were actually talking about this like oh um because none of my friends are married besides i think me now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and dave and i were just counting counting like all our friends like oh my god we have so many more weddings to go to. Like, this is going to be so fun. Mm-hmm. It's just fun to, like, get your friend married. I don't know. There's yeah. something about that that's just, like, very exciting. And yeah. you can – it's a special moment when you have people around you that genuinely love and care for you and are excited for your right. love. 
and right. want to share that and celebrate that with you. So being able to reciprocate that for my friends down the line, I'm so, so excited to do that. Yeah. Ugh. I'll be a good time. Damn. Yeah. We got, we got so many now yeah, that, I know. May, that may eventually <laughs> happen. So looking forward to those. Switching topics from the wedding. Yes. We had our episode last week that was about the little mine. And mm-hmm. one of my very good friends who was also at the wedding and did an amazing, amazing job. We had a bunch of dances at the wedding that I think we hinted at, you know, on previous episodes, Poison Pals, that mm-hmm. Megan was a part of, as well as many mm-hmm. of my other friends. But one of my very close friends, her name's is Zuri, and she mm-hmm. is is a very big fan of the podcast. She was definitely fangirling over Megan at the wedding in person. It was we so love cute. you, Zuri. Oh my gosh. You are so amazing. Yeah. Dude. That was like such a treat. Um, I honestly feel like it wasn't, it wasn't deserved, but like, thank you for listening to us. And it was Dude, Zuri just, is a gem. Yeah. She will, She's a gem. we will have conversations. Like I, now we'll have to, I'll have to add you to our group chat, but, uh, she'll just text me after the episode and give me her debrief of the, of the episode with me yeah. and we'll just go back and forth. It's awesome. But anyways, I do want to share something that she mentioned to me from last time. Uh-huh. So the episode about the little mite, I believe in the episode I talk about just like how the drug process works and how the prescription process works as well. We're talking about how in the retail setting or the community pharmacy setting, the reason why pharmacists get yelled at the most are over like painkillers or like sleep Mm -hmm. medications. Cause we were talking about how in the 1950s and sixties, people were just popping sleep meds all day, which was originally what the little mite was used for Mm -hmm. was a, for a sedative effect. Mm. And so Zuri, because she works in the community pharmacy setting, she's a pharmacist as well. Mm -hmm. So she was saying how it is so true what I was saying about how it really changes depending on the economic zip code of your pharmacy, who is purchasing these painkillers, these sleep meds, and really, you know, taking those consistently every month. And she was just talking about how it definitely tends to occur in those richer zip codes. But what she also added was that She was just saying, I'm really glad you mentioned that we don't want you on your meds, but people want meds. They literally come into the pharmacy asking for meds. And she was saying how she literally had someone give her a bad review because Mm -hmm. she didn't recommend meds for them. Because she was like, Uh, let's talk about lifestyle first. Like, what have you tried that is non-farm? And they got upset. Like, no, just give me meds, you know? Yeah, yeah, So she's like, "It's, it's really difficult to explain to patients that, hey, like, yeah, we understand that we are your go-to to give you medications, but if we can try to get you off or mm-hmm. not have you be on it at all in the first place, that's our first goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thanks, yeah, Zuri, yeah. for weighing totally. in. Uh, yeah. Really appreciate your feedback and for listening every week. We love you. Yeah, we love you, Zuri. And, uh, and Shane. <laughs> and Shane, of course. Of course, Shane, too. We always love gotta, Shane. Gotta throw a shout-out in there, too. Uh, but like yeah. on a real note, sorry, just to throw back the fangirling to them both like truly an honor to meet them like really get to know them at the wedding they're both hilarious like I just, oh my god yes like they're a comedy so duo yeah so yeah i love that they're good people shout out they're to, really shout good out to people. And Shane. yeah i remember this one last thing about zero shade i remember when dave would be away on dance competitions and he would mm-hmm. travel for these dance competitions in college so there would be you know i don't know a week or two at a time where 
he wouldn't be around and maybe I was like a little bit lonely or missing him. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they would take me out. I remember they would take me out to like, like baseball games and it was just like, I was like their third wheel. (laughs) And they would just make sure I was taken care of and I wasn't alone. It was very, very sweet of them. I was, I'll always remember those times. It was, it was always good times with them. That's so sweet. Um, one last update before you start your story, mm-hmm. Megan. Mm-hmm. I was looking up the, if you guys remember, we talked about in, I don't remember which episode this was now, but I talked about the family who passed away in Northern California, just very oddly and randomly on their hike in mm-hmm. the Sierra forest. Mm-hmm. And it was a young couple and their pretty much infant daughter. I think she was like four or six months old and their dog, all of them were found dead on the hiking trail in the Sierras that they had gone on on a Sunday. And I think they were found on either a Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So if you guys remember, they were trying to do tox reports on them, tox screenings, nothing came up as to nothing in their blood, no suggestion of blunt force trauma, nothing on their mm-hmm. bodies to suggest any foul play. And they also tested for fumes, like potentially toxic fumes from old mining shafts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing came up. They have confirmed and ruled those out as well. So they really don't know what the heck was going on. And I think they're testing for algal blooms in their system. Mm. But as far as I'm aware, that also is coming up negative. Mm-hmm. So they're really at a loss to know what the heck happened to all four of them. The last theory that I just read earlier this evening was that they think it was a lightning strike, like a fatal oh. lightning strike. But, but doesn't like, lightning strikes leave scarring? Typically, uh, you that, can see like the the like a the burning. Cur- yeah, the current, um, the mm-hmm. burn, the burn mark of that current going through. Like it's something you could Google search, like lightning scars, sure. and it actually looks really cool. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's. I mean, I don't know enough about lightning yeah. related deaths so i don't i don't either but you know yeah. now that you bring that up i agree with you i think it would leave a scar mm-hmm. but also how the heck did it strike them all at once like i don't i don't think that's mm-hmm. like a very mm-hmm. strong mm-hmm. theory but that right. seems to be the leading theory for some reason so yeah. i'll continue to keep you guys updated but i think this is just bizarrely fascinating um but also very tragic i don't know what the heck yeah. happened and that's kind of scary <laughs> oh man that is scary yeah, that's I. I bet you there will be like a, a sixty minutes or like I think um, so. probably there will be some minor coverage as a true crime story of of that event. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not saying that to dis dishonor the family that you know, right and their them passing like truly mm-hmm. tragic. But like anything that's has a mystery around the deaths or whatever yeah, unsolved mysteries. Yeah, it's gonna be on there. I it's gonna be you. a hot topic. So we'll, I do we'll hope it does get solved, though, because right. that's very, yeah, that's very interesting. That is horrible for the family like, to just never mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Like you need that closure as a family, I think. But absolutely, yeah, I agree. Anyways, we can move okay. on to the story. <laughs> All right, <laughs> All right, ready, Megan? I'm so ready. All right, let's do this. It's been a while, but let's jump back into it, Megan. It is your turn this week to pick your poison. So All what right. the hell is it gonna be? <laughs> So today I will be talking about a super hot topic mm. right now, and that is ivermectin. Mm. Okay. So okay. If, you ha- if you are unfamiliar with the word ivermectin, I think if you follow main news outlets, you're going to see that come up a lot in regards to its relationship to COVID-19. But uh, I think the most common association of ivermectin and 
pop culture right now is Joe Rogan's advocation for yeah, it. Yeah, And right. that actually is what caused my interest <laughs> in it. I personally, actually, it, it, this is just me like not making any statement against Joe Rogan or whatever. I just, mm-hmm. I just don't follow his podcast. Um, I'd say it's not something I listen to and that's not because I don't like him or whatever. I just, I just don't <laughs> listen mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. 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 I have other interests and my other <laughs> interests are adult animation cartoons. <laughs> and so I spent my time doing that instead of listening to Joe Rogan. So it's like, it's yeah. Yeah. He, he was trending for a bit because he contracted COVID-19. Mm-hmm. He made some Instagram live or Instagram post or, or something, uh, a video um, describing his experience getting COVID and how he was prescribed ivermectin as a thing to alleviate his symptoms along mm-hmm. with some other things. But in his telling of that, he got into some hot water because ivermectin is kind of being associated with the with like the similar what's the word what's that one that was popular like the the chlorine or whatever hydro oh hydroxychloroquine hydroxychloroquine like ivermectin is being lumped into kind of that same narrative that sure I, I, the one other hydroxychloroquine, thing yeah. hydroxychloroquine <laughs> that people were using slash misusing to yes. cure covid and so that Joe Rogan got in hot water um, mm-hmm. for, you know, saying, oh, I, I was, you know, I used this. I think somewhere in his original language, he just said he used it. And then when people were like, oh, my gosh, you're advocating for something that you shouldn't be to prevent COVID. I yeah. think he made it a follow up video where he was like, listen, this was prescribed by my got physician. It. But but once that negative, you know, online conversation starts about something it's very easy to just ignore that follow-up statement it's true you know it's true so uh, the current you know conversation around him right now is that he is promoting like a harmful medication um, that people shouldn't be using for COVID-19 of all that so Mm -hmm. I what I'm going to do today is actually talk about ivermectin as objectively as possible I just want to give the facts and how actually and and I will be tying it into the misinformation on all sides about mm-hmm. this drug. So yeah, so there's for me, I'm coming from a place of uh, hopefully no bias or whatever. Mm-hmm. I try to do my due diligence on the research. This will be a sh- hopefully shorter. It will be a shorter episode in terms of me actually talking about the drug once I get into it because I want to make it palatable so people just understand like the very general information about it so that everyone can get a better idea of like is it is it something that can be used for covid or not and right and why is it controversial so Love anyway it. so Let's real quick it. my sources are npr nonin schmeideberg's archives of pharmacology i think it's a german journal american society for clinical pharmacology and therapeutics the journal of antibiotics jama the American Journal of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene, NIH, CDC, FDA, American Journal of Therapeutics, Slate, The Verge, Forbes, New York Times, and Rolling Stone. Nice. So those are my sources. Heavy hitters. Yeah. And definitely heavy hitters. I definitely prioritized my Google Scholar searching mm-hmm. outlet because I was like, if I'm going to be get like the real, real information on this, right. 
I don't want to go to mainstream media sites mm-hmm. because I think this is an area where a lot of those sites, where wherever they might fall journalistically, if it's left, right, centrist, whatever, there's going to be misinformation. So I wanted to yeah, get what was happening in actual scientific journals. And in my research, I also learned that scientific journals can obviously have bias too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is something that I knew, honestly, when I was in my undergrad studying all that APA and research and mm-hmm. accreditation and all that. But yeah, like it's it's fascinating because I'm almost like the more you learn, right, the less certainty there might be yeah, about certain exactly. things, right? So anyway, okay. So first of all, what is ivermectin? Ivermectin is a drug that is in the class of medications called anthelmintics. Anthelmintics are drugs that, to be very basic with the language, combat parasitic worms in the body, in animals. How it works is when it's ingested, it can be oral or um, topical, but when it's doing its thing, it Mm -hmm. works in a way where it will penetrate the parasites' bodies that can harm them but will not harm us. Because of its chemical properties, it cannot penetrate our blood-brain barrier, and that's why it makes it safe. In terms of well, like higher dosage will impact that safety, but that's pretty much its mechanism. But that's basically how it works is that it can get into our body and infiltrate the parasite's body, but not harm us. Now I mentioned dosage. So here's the thing with ivermectin. So if you have heard about it and have heard about it trending, um, even actually I had conversation with friends two days ago when I was downtown, mm-hmm. the, the conversation that comes up around ivermectin is like, oh my gosh, why are people using this horse medication? Okay. Mm, okay. And they emphasize yeah. horse medication. <laughs> Here's the thing. Ivermectin can and is prescribed as a medication for humans. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between veterinary ivermectin and ivermectin for humans. And I Got think it. that's where a lot of information misinformation stems. Because yeah. if you look at articles from mainstream media, they will first and foremost say horse medication cattle medication and then kind of hint at oh but it can be used as human medication ivermectin has been used as an anthelmetic for humans for a while for since like what the 70s when was it founded as you're i think it was the 70s yeah i just want to also say i am in that boat too megan i knew that ivermectin was primarily used in the veterinary world for because i the way that i know it is it's used for heartworm to treat and prevent heartworm in primarily dogs i think dogs have to take it as part of like not like their vaccinations but part of like the medications that they get as a puppy and if they get that later on in life but i did know that it could be used on rare occasion for humans but i did not realize that there were two versions per- perhaps um, one for human use and one for animal use so that's education for me yeah. Okay. So on that note, so I don't want to say the wrong thing. When I say two versions, it's based on dosage. So it okay. might, okay. yeah, it might be the same drug compound, compound, yeah. right? But its dosaging is very different. Um, but it, yeah, we'll yeah. we'll get into the horse thing uh, just in a little bit because mm-hmm. 
that the, I think the misinformation side of things will be like my larger conversation. Sure. But um, it came, it was discovered in 1975 and came into medical use in 1981. Mm-hmm. And um, like a fun fact, and you'll see this across, you know, Wikipedia, all the news articles, plus the journals that um, in 2015, the people who discovered it won the Nobel Prize in physiology or medicine for its discovery and applications. Awesome. So it's a very, very important thing yeah. in the world of medicine. Mm-hmm. So that's just to kind of double down on the idea that it's not just used for cattle and horses. Like yeah. we do use it for ourselves. I'm going to talk about real quick the side effects that are listed when you take ivermectin as a medication. Like so if, you're, if your doctor does prescribe it to you, some side effects that might happen are dizziness, loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting, stomach pain or bloating, diarrhea, constipation, weakness, sleepiness, uncontrollable shaking of a part of the body or chest discomfort. Um, I don't feel like those are uncommon. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of make- medications have that side effect. It says if you are taking ivermectin to treat onchocerciasis, which is uh, river blindness. River blindness is the infection with a type of roundworm that may cause rash bumps under the skin and vision problems, thus cause so scary river blindness, <laughs> right? So if you're taking ivermectin to treat that particular parasite, you may also experience the following side effects, swelling of the eyes, face, arms, hands, feet, ankles, or lower legs, joint pain and swelling, rapid heartbeat, eye pain, swelling of the eye or eyelids, anything to do with the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That does say some side effects can be serious, and this is still at the the proper human dosage mm-hmm. that that you know healthcare professionals recommend. So some uh, serious side effects can be a fever, blistering, or peeling of the skin. I imagine that's when Ugh. you have the topical the topical version of it, a rash, hives, or itching. Sure, which actually does not sound all that bad as serious no. side effects. No. So in researching this drug, there's clearly. It's like I'm getting contrasting uh, viewpoints, but in the medical world alone, from what I've read, it looks like there is divisiveness in the interest of using ivermectin to Mm. combat COVID-19. So let me real quick talk about why is it even considered for COVID-19 if it's something that's used to combat parasites, like it's proper medical usage to combat parasites. So here's... Here's where I think people do not have the objective information on ivermectin and its relationship with COVID-19. So first of all, we should all know that ivermectin is being studied or there are clinical trials happening currently and have been happening with studying the efficacy of ivermectin and drugs similar to it to combat COVID-19. And the reason yeah. why those those studies are happening is because in other stu- in in vitro studies, meaning in test tube studies, where it's not a clinical trial, it's mm-hmm. it's happening in the lab. There's no human subjects. Okay, so I should put this a little bit more simply. So in the medical world, there's tons of studies of ivermectin in vitro, meaning there's not any human trials related to it or happening with it. And what they're doing in these in vitro studies is trying to see its antiviral properties. So we already know it can combat parasites, but there there is an interest in like, okay, is there proof of it having antiviral properties mm-hmm. or, or can it combat viruses, basically? And so there are a lot of studies that have happened in vitro where 
there is some evidence that it could be effective in combating RNA viruses, including potentially SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, like so COVID-19. And other in vitro studies that are happening with it are they're trying to see if it can combat Zika, dengue fever, yellow fever, pretty well-known viruses. And they're studying its antiviral effects with those viruses as well. So in those studies, again, test tube studies, there's some sort of evidence that it is effective in inhibiting the RNA replication of a virus or whatever, okay, the Mm -hmm. protein synthesis. But the thing is, just because there's some success in vitro does not mean it can be successful in a human clinical trial. And I think if there was the first step of misinformation, it's people hearing, oh, it's successful in these trials, but what they're not understanding is that it's in vitro. It's not a human clinical trial. Yep. So after the in vitro trials, then they move forward to attempt to study it with real humans Mm -hmm. or even animals, right? If you do a simple Google search, you can actually find, I think it's on the CDC, CDC site or some either NIH or CDC site that will actually give you a whole list of all the clinical trials happening currently studying ivermectin's efficacy against COVID-19. So know that if you're hearing from maybe like a political party or something like, oh, scientists aren't doing the studies because it's not a priority. They are doing the studies. Those studies do exist. And these studies have huge sample sizes. Sorry, I had Mm -hmm. to remember my my, (laughs) my research terminology. (laughs) These studies have huge sample sizes ranging from like 300 to thousands of people. Uh, Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is happening. Multiple countries are doing these studies. And uh, the thing is, what you might dose in the in vitro might not be safe or effective in the human clinical trial. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I think a lot of healthcare professionals or the researchers see, which is like, yes, the doses work when we do this test tube sample or whatever, but right. it would have to be higher in a human. But then if it's higher in a human, you risk toxicity. Exactly. Because of that blood brain barrier mm-hmm. that you were talking about. Right. Yeah. So in these human trials, you'll often see the dose that they're giving, these samples are given, and it's usually a double blind study where mm-hmm. one group gets the um, ivermectin and the other group gets the placebo, placebo. right? Mm-hmm. And um, what you'll see is the ivermectin dosage is like micrograms, like very, very, very small amount. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, this is just to be objective, like based on sure. what I read in the journal. There are studies that are saying, okay, there is proof of some impact, on mm-hmm. the symptoms of COVID-19 symptoms. Like ivermectin, there is proof of change, but it's not statistically significant. So if uh. you are familiar with how statistics work and research data works, if something's not statistically significant, it means that it's just, it might have some sort of, like it might show some promise, but it's not enough to guarantee like this is something that we can move forward with. Correct. Um, like it's not going to be consistent across the board every correct. single time. Correct. Yeah. 
that's where like it's kind of sad to see misinform like the general pop culture misinformation mm-hmm. about it because actually in the clinical the medical and research world it's very objective like they're like we are studying it and we mm-hmm. see that it might have some positive impact but it's just not enough it's like it's weak it's too yeah. weak to guarantee any impact on COVID-19 once it's recognized that like okay these effects while while positive are just not enough it's a waste of our time to continue trying to test this drug yeah we can move on to other things now because it's just consistently not like statistically significant right okay agreed so so here's where i kind of struggled with my research I tried to find a timeline of when did ivermectin become popular, popularized to be misused to combat COVID-19, right? Uh-huh. I couldn't really find something solid. There's definitely a medical timeline. There are healthcare workers out there who advocate for it. Like that's, that is a reality. They advocate for it. There are some countries that super back it. Like the Czech Republic mm-hmm. is really into it. Nigeria, I think, was using it. But we also have to be mindful. That one, I bring up Nigeria because what's interesting about them is they have a history of of using ivermectin as a country because they've been using it to fight river blindness for so long. Like it's it's unique to the geographic region, right? So they're familiar with the drug. So maybe (laughs) to put it very like not scientifically, like they're they're comfortable with it. So that's why it's like, (laughs) okay, you know what I mean? Like, so that's why it's a familiar drug that they're used to. Yeah. Right. Right. What I'm uncertain of is like in the United States itself, I really don't know how people got access to this information and this idea of like, Oh, it is effective, maybe based on in vitro trials. Therefore, I mm. should ask my doctor pre- to prescribe it. Okay. Right. So I don't know how that became popularized. Yeah. I'm also, I don't have a Facebook account. So like, I can't <laughs> dig on like Facebook forums and stuff like that to see like mm. where these conversations happen. That is all to say, going into that side of things, let's talk about how it is now being misused. Like we're seeing an uptick of misuse of ivermectin in the United States. And it's because people who maybe don't want to get the vaccine are turning mm-hmm. to ivermectin and hoping that that That's will right. cure their symptoms or sure, you know, end it entirely for them. For them. So I'm just going to read straight from the CDC, which I feel like people that might have a distrust in those agencies probably don't go to their websites I feel like the CDC and NIH makes the most objective statements on these things. They're Agreed. not like, they're just basically like, this is what it is. <laughs> this is what's been happening with it. This is the data. We don't recommend it. But if you are to use it, just know that these are the outcomes. Like, it's not yeah. like super condescending or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just very like fact-based. Sure. So so this is from the CDC. Uh, it does say... In 2021, poison control centers across the U.S. received a threefold increase in the number of calls for human exposures to ivermectin in January 2021 compared to the pre-pandemic baseline. And you can see this data on their site. Like there's a whole chart of how January 2021 hit, and then come July, it just boom goes exp- like goes up exponentially. Yeah. Like tons of people are are asking for their doctors to prescribe it and then it's being misused and then poison control centers are getting those calls yeah in july 2021 ivermectin calls have continued to sharply increase to a five-fold increase from baseline (laughs) 
Uh, these reports are also associated with increased frequency of adverse effects in emergency department mm-hmm. hospital mm-hmm. visits. In some cases, people have ingested ivermectin-containing products purchased without a prescription. So this is where it gets oh. dangerous, is that people are going to maybe, I hate to use the term, but like a black market, like just mm-hmm. trying like to find third it there. party. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they're getting it that way. And that's also where you see kind of like the people using it, people going to um, the veterinary products as yeah. well, because yeah, they yeah. don't want to go for, a, they don't want to find a prescription. They have some base knowledge that, oh, it's offered in veterinary products, mm-hmm. so I can get it there. I was this, even thinking yeah. like mm-hmm. some people who are just desperate and need something, if they mm-hmm. have pets, they just go to their vet be like, hey, my dog has heartworm. Can you prescribe yep. my dog some ivermectin? And they take yep. it for themselves. Yep. I yep. can see that happening. Yeah. So I think that is happening. Here's the thing, though. This is where, again, it's like misinformation from all sides. I actually think the cases of people ingesting veterinary level ivermectin is really low. It's just mm. we hear about it the most because it's the most extreme thing. Right. I I cannot, that's shitty to say, I can't really back that statement because I tried to look for that data. I was trying to find like cases of veterinary ivermectin exposure or whatever, mm-hmm. but I I couldn't find anything and I just suspect that it's actually just it's not that many cases. It's like one or two yeah. extreme cases that that's enough for the CDC and the FDA to make a statement because they're like, OK, if one person did this, mm-hmm. it's likely someone else could do this. So we have to make a comment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is where my beef with large scale media misinformation happens is because that's a hot that's like a great storyline. So people it are going to. Journal outlets are going to latch onto that because it just attracts more reading and then yep. it causes division. And I'm not saying it's the journal outlet's fault or whatever, but it's like there needs to be some responsibility. Why isn't there that data of like, okay, how many people actually ingested horse yeah. ivermectin? And as far as I could tell, there was only one anecdote on the CDC websites for mm-hmm. that. If anything, the most common thing that's happening with ivermectin is people going to their doctors and having the human (laughs) dosage prescribed to them. But why that's a problem is because people who actually need ivermectin for its real medical usage, it's uh, running out. They don't have access to it. Mm -hmm. So it's in short supply because it's in short supply in some pharmacies and some in some states. And so, yeah, this is just a reminder, like ivermectin is not recommended by the CDC and the FDA to use it to combat COVID-19 because Mm -hmm, there's just not not enough statistically significant data to advocate for its usage. Those studies are still happening. And as Harini mentioned in in last episode or an episode before, it takes the FDA a long freaking time to, or I mean, it takes drug companies a long time to do those trials and to meet the FDA standards. So, Anyways, so people are asking for the the clinical ivermectin, not the veterinary one, and they're misusing it in a way where they're asking for like 30-day prescriptions. Jesus. That's not how it should be used. Um, oh how God. ivermectin should be used if you're just trying to fight your parasites, right? It's like you take it and then it's like a couple months pass and you take the other the, the follow-up that's my yeah, understanding of but, its properties yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah there's stories of people asking for like a 30-day prescription or like Jeez. you know just not really understanding 
what it is and its potential side <laughs> effects. All. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of going off of what we talked about last episode too, this is a prime example of an off-label use of a medication. This yeah. is not on label. As Megan clearly said, ivermectin is not FDA approved for the use of COVID-19. But And this is, this is the thing that always blows my mind as well. Uh, doctors don't have to prescribe medications if they don't want to. And I think this happens often where the patient will come to their doctor and be like, I need this. Yeah. Um, like they are like, I've done the research at home or I was a Google doctor and was like, okay, I think I need this based on my symptoms. Can you please prescribe it to me? Right. And the doctor has every right, of course, to say no. But that's why I find this so interesting based on the numbers that you're telling me, you know, it became threefold, fivefold use of ivermectin. That means all those doctors were willingly prescribing it. And I can guarantee you in probably majority of cases that the doctor had agreed with that plan and like, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's try this. And what you were mentioning earlier, Megan was, I don't have a good enough answer as to why that they're, they keep prescribing this given Mm -hmm. that it's not statistically significant enough to even move forward with more human trials Right. That means they're not even going to move forward with the FDA. Like they're not even going to try to get it approved for that indication, at least to my knowledge. Right. Um, right. And to what you're saying as well is what it seems like. So what tends to happen, what I've even seen, like when I was on rotations during the pandemic, like the first wave of the pandemic, mm-hmm. they were just kind of trying out different medications that are not used for obviously COVID-19 because this is a a new and novel virus, but they Mm -hmm. are used for other types of viral diseases. And they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's just see if this works. And sometimes they hit a case where it actually works. Mm -hmm. And I can guarantee you this is what happens. There are certain doctors where they've used ivermectin in these patients who have COVID-19 and it has relieved their symptoms, if not partially or to full recovery. And mm-hmm. they use that patient case as a precedent to continue using it in other patients. So I feel like that is a big chunk of why it keeps getting prescribed by these doctors. Mm-hmm. So this will probably interest you. There's an article from Slate called How Pharmacists Are Dealing with the Surge of Shady Ivermectin Prescriptions. Because, you know, you're asking, like, yeah. you know, why are they still being prescribed this or whatever? I think that... Well, from from what I've been reading, there is like maybe a little bit of controversy or disagreement in some parts of the medical community. I think it's a small, small, small uh, minority of some healthcare professionals who advocate for using it to combat COVID-19. But maybe that's like where these prescriptions are coming from. I think you can also get bogus prescriptions from bogus sites and that's how some people are getting it so here's i'm just going to read a little bit from this article it is it is sketch um and i think this can give you an idea of like what farm pharmacists are dealing with Mm -hmm. um what's interesting is actually this one is about someone in san diego but yeah it goes (laughs) last week a patient entered rachel lee's pharmacy in an affluent san diego neighborhood to ask about his ivermectin prescription She had Mm -hmm. braced herself for this moment since her pharmacy started getting calls about the drug's availability. I was like, oh, great. Here it is. Here's my first one, said Lee, who asked that her real name not be used to protect her job at a national chain pharmacy. 
the prescription lacked a diagnosis code, which many pharmacists use to ensure a drug is prescribed for valid medical reasons. Mm -hmm. The prescribing doctor was licensed outside of the state in Florida. When she called the when she called the doctor's office for more information, an employee said the ivermectin was for prophylactic COVID treatment. Lee mm. turned the patient away. And then it continues. I know it's a little long, but it goes many mm. farm many pharmacists across the country are finding themselves in similarly uncomfortable situations. As I had mentioned, demand for ivermectin has surged 24-fold because the scientifically unsupported belief that it can treat or prevent COVID-19. That in itself is to me like maybe kind of biased writing it's it's not scientifically unsupported belief that it can treat or prevent it's it's just like what we already discussed it's like we we know that there's potential but it's not significant enough sure lee says we're put in a tough spot i have been very strict with it just because at the end of the day it is my license Pharmacists are seeing prescriptions for varying dosages and longer periods of time than ivermectin is currently approved for use, said Anne Burns, a pharmacist and VP of Practice Affairs at the APHA. Mm -hmm. In oral tablet form, ivermectin is approved as a one-time treatment, and occasionally a follow-up dose is prescribed several months afterwards. That's what I had already said. And this is where they talk about we're hearing of prescriptions for ivermectin for several days up to a month and sometimes longer. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And this is this is also where they mentioned the 30 day fill, which makes no sense. Yeah. Overdoses can happen. And you know, that's where probably like the, the horse horse uh, dosage can cause an overdose. But yeah. overdoses of ivermectin can cause symptoms ranging from nausea and vomiting to seizures, coma and death. God. And yes, that is all that is all true. Like it can do that. I. I read somewhere that in Brazil, it's very popular. It's in terms of being misused as a COVID-19 medication and like everyone's getting diarrhea and it's getting so bad to a point because ivermectin is used in their cattle industry and they Mm -hmm. already know from their cattle out there that when the cattle poops, it's coming out as a as a toxicity in the poop and it's getting into the water and stuff like that and so there's a concern that with so many people misusing ivermectin that their sewage system and however that works will have toxicities in it that's That's, wild and it's just like very very interesting that's what's happening in brazil that's an aside the public health issue at that point. yeah exactly i'm just gonna say i don't that's what i don't get i'm like okay it's one thing for them to prescribe it even though it's not technically approved or even has good evidence to even Mm -hmm. use it for Mm COVID-19 but then on top of that not even prescribing it for the correct dosing schedule or Mm regimen you know Mm -hmm. like that is potentially a fatal dosing regimen that that when Mm -hmm. they're prescribing it for 30 days let alone for multiple days in a row at that right right I don't know in your research if you come across this but in those those few clinical trials where they did do it in humans Mm -hmm. if it was prescribed like that if they dosed it that way where it's like it was like multiple days in a row or even for 30 days and that's why they're prescribing it as such i don't Mm. understand that though no i'm trying to find that that article the the studies that did that clinical trial but 100 percent, as you said i think few that do advocate for ivermectin use for covid19 symptoms or otherwise Mm-hmm. It is, I guarantee you, it's because they did use it in a patient on a whim and it did bring them back to full recovery or even mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. more than 80% back to full recovery. So mm-hmm. it was like a successful case. And right. that's why they keep using it uh, yeah. for that reason or advocate for that. But yeah. the thing is, it does not, 
that's the reason why it's not statistically significant because it is not promising. It is not a guaranteed therapeutic effect in every single human patient that you right. will give it to. Right, that is right. what it means to be statistically significant. It, it's going to produce the same effect over and over again, no matter who you give it to in that right. whatever that population they deem it an approval for. Yeah, totally. Actually, the the study that I'm about to read from, because I can answer your question in terms of like, what is that um, clinical trial intervention methodology mm-hmm. look like? But it, yeah. this particular study was also referenced in a Times article and they summarized it pretty well in terms of the not statistically significant aspect. So they're like, yeah, based on the study, it found that it had no statistically significant effect on the reducing the duration of COVID symptoms. Mm. But it also found that there is no statistically significant increase in adverse events for the patients receiving the ivermectin. So it's like it's both sides, you know, like it's like I think and I'm not saying that to contradict anything you just said, but it's just I just want listeners to understand that, like these trials that are happening I don't know, are just very, in my opinion, like neutral. Like there's no answer. Like it's like understand like there's no evidence that it decreases effect and then there's no evidence that it increases the effect. But like it's just, we just don't have enough to be confident and be like, hey, yes, we can totally 100% use this for COVID-19. And it's it's just a matter of like um, playing it safe. And I think that's where there might be conflict in the medical world because some people maybe depending on the country you know um mm-hmm. health professionals in certain countries they might they might be at a so des- desperate to a point of like yeah. we feel confident in this why play it safe not like i'm going to put the population at risk like let's what is it like you have to crack a few eggs whatever <laughs> whatever <laughs> to you make know an what omelet <laughs> to make an omelet but basically what it sounds like is from this what you just read from the clinical mm-hmm. trial data is that it doesn't help the covid-19 symptoms but it also mm-hmm. doesn't hurt you Right, you know, exactly. Like, it's very neutral. And then at that point, it's up to the prescriber to be like, well, is this even useful then? Because it just seems Mm -hmm. like a a net neutral effect. If it's not going to help your COVID-19 symptoms, Mm -hmm. then why put this thing in your body anyway? Right, right. And also from the perspective of healthcare professionals who advocate for the vaccine, they're probably like, well, we have something that was approved you know what i mean like so why yes, yes. even bother with this thing but you know i don't know that's where it's like i, I yeah i still don't yeah. understand just the conflict in general i think I, the conflict yeah. i mean i could be wrong but i feel mm-hmm. i feel like the conflict resides within the patient and the provider mm-hmm. you know like the conflict mm-hmm. is the patients want it mm-hmm. and i do think there's a small subset of like you said doctors that advocate for it mm-hmm. but i think the majority is like these patients are getting this information from the media and other outlets and such and think hey either a i don't want the vaccine and i want a different way to cure my symptoms of covid-19 and i've heard on the internet that this is what works so i'm going to ask my doctor to prescribe that I think Mm -hmm. that's one situation. I think another situation is just out of desperation. You know, I've Mm -hmm. tried everything and nothing is working. Can you just prescribe this? Right, exactly. That can be based on like the country or the specific individual scenario of that person or patient. Right. So to answer your question a few minutes back, you're asking what the dosage was of this clinical trial or this one clinical trial that I pulled from. It says patients were randomized to receive ivermectin 300 micrograms per kilogram of body weight per day Mm -hmm. for five days. 
And okay. so that was 200. The sample size that got the ivermectin was 200 folks. And then the sample size that got the placebo was 200 folks. Wow. So 300 micrograms per kilogram of body weight is a fairly high dose, especially if it's per day. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, they like couldn't get a significant outcome of that study hmm. to see if it, it did, uh, you know... Um, impact the covid symptoms that's so interesting so they did dose it for every single day Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. albeit for five days it was just shorter than 30 days of course but that is interesting because that's very different from the typical regimen yeah so to kind of wrap it up i i kind of had more but i'm also like listen i found all this information in the span of like four three to four hours if you really wanted to learn an objective viewpoint of what the hell this thing is and why some people are adamant about wanting to use it and what, um, and is it, is it worth quote unquote risk to take it to combat COVID-19 and all that? Like yeah. you can find that information really easily and it's information that is, that is not like if you look in the right places, right? Mm-hmm. If you look on science journals and stuff like that, it's information that's just objective. Like it won't, like try to fight your confirmation bias. You know what I mean? Like look for just like facts. Okay. So the last thing I wanted to talk about with ivermectin is how it's impacted social media. So one thing that's also kind of like collateral damage of the the, the spread of the misuse of the drug is platforms like TikTok and YouTube, maybe some parts of Facebook, they will actually censor anything that is tagged with ivermectin in it because their concern is that oh if someone has tagged ivermectin in it they're going to be promoting the misuse of it in that video or that tiktok i see okay Uh. but what happens is when you censor that or you when that's triggered and that video is removed you are also impacting the folks who are probably like me and just trying Mm -hmm. to give an objective. This is just the facts. This is what ivermectin is. And then that stuff's removed from the sites as well. So this censorship is also causing kind of a divide in the healthcare world of like, okay, it's good that like the misinformation things are being censored. But then like, what about the people who are actually trying to give the right information? Um, Because on TikTok, it was said like, it's usually it's doctors. Like I'm sure we both follow probably a lot of popular doctors on TikTok Mm -hmm. who are just like there to like, just give the facts. Yep. And there's part of an article that I want to read. I forget where I got this from. I didn't, it's in my sources somewhere, but I'm just going to read this part of the article. Oh, it's, I think it might be from times as well. Okay. But it goes on April 11th, an interview of Mary Beth Pfeiffer, an investigative journalist and a contributor to Scientific American, discussed censorship of ivermectin news. She said the current practices were social media platforms attempt to be good citizens mm-hmm. and largely a response to the mani- manipulation of social media during the U.S. presidential elections of 2016, which brought on calls of social media to police itself or be regulated. Right. So that's yeah. it's like this censorship is well intentioned. Yeah. Um, and they also kind of they don't want to replicate what happened during in the 2016 elections. So that's why they're like doing the censorship. But. She says that, like, ironically, however, in this case, efforts had backfired. She said there had been an extremely limited and unfair coverage of ivermectin in the U.S., and that the during her 40 years in journalism, never before had she encountered such censorship. In her mm. opinion, again, this is someone who writes for Scientific American, 
in her opinion, since the beginning of the hydroxychloroquine controversy involving mm-hmm. President Trump, there had been a bias in the media against early treatment, leading the mainstream media to I become see. very unwilling to conduct proper investigation and act mm. as journalists were supposed to, instead publishing superficial, erroneous articles. Pfeiffer called her called for a major Congress-led investigation on how the pandemic has been handled in the U.S., but added she was not confident there would be anyone able to conduct it properly. This is all to say that even someone who I am going to assume is integritous in their journalism, right, and like and understands how all these things works, is like at the end of the day, maybe censorship of this is is still harmful, yeah. just as harmful as someone posting a misinformation video on YouTube, right? Yeah, because as as I said earlier, you're not getting the the potential of videos that are giving you the right information on ivermectin too, and True. so yeah, that I felt like that was really interesting mm-hmm. in terms of just objectivity. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. The main points here that I round, wanted to round out as this episode just being a this is what this is. Here are the facts. Mm-hmm. Ivermectin is not just a horse medication or a cattle <laughs> medication. It has been used as human medication for since the 80s. Okay, so yeah. if you're reading articles and they're like, oh, people are eating dewormer for horses. Yes, that has happened, but probably a very small percentage of whoever is doing it has done it. Like probably one to two cases. The majority of people who are using ivermectin, it is the human prescribed ivermectin that being said they might just be misusing it in terms of the dosage what's the word like the number of days you're using or whatever yeah, the regimen yeah. the dosing regimen i think my main my main thing was like it's not people you know using the horse dosage that's just yeah, no. inflammatory so understand mm-hmm. like that's an inflammatory <laughs> thing is there some evidence that it can have a positive impact in fighting covid19 yes but in the in vitro trials of testing the drug there's not enough evidence currently in human clinical trials that it can, you know, combat COVID-19. Okay, that's right. Those are the facts. That's pretty much that's pretty much no, it. I think like, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was pretty, that's much, pretty it. much it. And here's one thing that I thought was unique because like I always feel confident in NPR journalism, right? Like I'm like, <laughs> but that's my biases, right? Like I'm yeah. like, okay, NPR can do a pretty good job sometimes. But this is circling all the way back to Joe Rogan, which started this all. This is a thing, a little caption under his photo on an NPR article. It reads, Joe Rogan has told his Instagram followers he has been taking ivermectin, a deworming veterinary drug formulated for use in cows and horses to help fight the coronavirus. (laughs) And it and and that's how they state it. Like it's clearly. Yeah, it is clearly like misleading intentionally. So. I'm going through my own journey of like, I'm not saying, oh, I distrust mainstream media, but like just Mm -hmm. you need to look out for that type of language. And so I'm learning now. I'm like, okay, even NPR has its moments. You know what I mean? Which I'm sure some people already knew that. Like, of course. But like me, I'm like, you know, I'm a fresh spring chicken. I'm I'm (laughs) learning right now. Well, that's the thing. I think that's (laughs) just been beyond the ivermectin story just in a general theme of 2020 to 2021 and I'm sure going forward is just do your due diligence. Like don't mm-hmm. just read the first thing you see and run with it. And right. these are conversations that Megan and I have had. And even with Dave too, that we've had over and over again, it's just yeah. like, 
people are so quick to just read the first thing they see and then mm-hmm. form an opinion around that five word blurb that they just right. read you know right. and that's just not how we need to conduct ourselves because as megan just clearly pointed out mm-hmm. that one sentence from npr that megan mm-hmm would Mm -hmm. deem as like a good source of information that she usually goes to Mm -hmm. that whole sentence was incredibly misleading and yeah thanks to megan's research and pulling all these more accredited journals and articles and information for us we are able to understand that right and this is becoming a theme with us as we're learning which is once you do your research you may proceed how you please like you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's the just checking in on basically everything harini just said but like it's like once you've done that work then you can decide and then like if you still want to take veterinary grade ivermectin (laughs) hell yeah go go for for it it. like at least you knew what you were getting into you know what i mean that's that's dangerous i i know i recognize that was a dangerous thing to say but like i hope our poison pals understand what i'm getting at I don't recommend you taking I don't recommend you taking veterinary grade ivermectin I do not recommend that Mm -mm. Uh, but if you if you are going to just Mm -hmm. use this episode as a reference point yeah yeah yeah. so that (laughs) is it wow wow that is good that is good information I am glad Mm -hmm. you did this little bit of PSA because one it is a hot topic right now Mm -hmm. and two there is so much misinformation about it Mm -hmm. including my own biases that I thought about before even coming into this episode so yeah yeah. thank you Megan for that oh I mean me too dude like of course I I've got my biases I came in doing the research actively checking my confirmation bias every corner i took on the internet which you know is what hard I mean? to do it's really hard to do um but it was yeah. an education and i'm like huh i feel uh illuminated uh <laughs> but that's that's why at the beginning i was like the more i learn the less i know because it's just like i like, know I don't, I don't know like <laughs> shall we we shall to the yeah, yeah. Antidotes. antidotes antidotes i always want to say anecdotes I will start us out since Megan did her story. Obviously, my antidote is I got married last week officially in the eyes of God. I am (laughs) official. Uh, And more importantly, my mom recognizes that we're officially married. God God means mom. Yes, God means mom in the scenario. (laughs) That is the AKA. But also, that all aside, that was all Mm -hmm. beautiful. We talked about that all in the beginning, so I won't rehash that. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, for Poison Pals, just to let you guys know, I took the week off, the w- the w- week of my wedding, I just took that whole week off and just enjoyed it from start mm-hmm. to finish. But there's a little bit in the back of my mind where I was like, oh my God, I'm not looking forward to opening my work laptop and seeing all those emails flooding mm. into my inbox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the Sunday, because it was Labor Day weekend, so Monday was off, but I think the day before, so on Sunday, I opened my laptop and just brave the winds and look through all my emails and just try to like check those, at least check that off before mm-hmm. I go back to work on Tuesday. And I'm glad that I did that because I got a little gem in my inbox, mm. which is going to be my true antidote okay. of the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. <laughs> um, so in my inbox, I got this email from one of my teammates or someone from my team and it was asking me to be the host of their podcast for work. Mm, and I was cool. like, oh my God, that is so awesome. And it was just a nice feeling because I think I, I was able to have an in-person uh, 
meeting and hangout session bonding time with my team and I told them about the podcast and we're talking about that and everyone was like really interested in in what what it was and what we talk about so they all kind of knew I do this Mm -hmm. so my manager was the one who basically put my name out there was like hey Harini would be a really great person to to do this with because she Mm -hmm. already has a podcast she likes speaking this and Mm -hmm. that I would definitely ask her to host it. So that's how this all sort of started. So it was just like a really great feeling to know that they remember what I do outside of work and they're Mm -hmm. keeping that in mind in terms of future opportunities for me and especially having a manager that watches out for me and and wants to give me these opportunities and lands them on my desk. So that was just something nice to come back to. So I'm in talks with that and I think the episode is going to come out sometime in October. Of course, this is like all internal. It's going to be an oncology podcast mm-hmm. with a panel of oncologists, but <laughs> it's just cool. It's just some, something cool to that I'm working on at work and it brings joy to my life right now. Dude, that is so dope. You're, you're like what uh, true podcasters go on to, which is being on multiple different podcasts. <laughs> oh my That's God. That's amazing. Yeah. I can't no, even seriously. think about that right now. That's why I'm like, thank God work is uh, paying for everything else and hosting it and producing it and editing. It's like, I cannot mm. do another one. No, it's, that's pretty, pretty damn amazing. Um, so proud of you, boo. Aww. Thanks, boom. Thanks, Can't boom. wait to listen on that and uh, reciprocate support. You know, I'm always on this end of the talking, and, and now I can listen on the other yeah. side. Yeah, be, be a fan. So great. I don't know how interesting it will be to be honest, but yeah, we can we can do a sesh where we listen to that when it comes out. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's mine. Amazing. I love that. Um, mine uh, as well. Uh, you know, uh, my antidote is the wedding was just absolutely fantastic mini vacation as i had mentioned um Mm -hmm. met some good good people yeah um unsurprised by that because dave and harini are good people (laughs) uh so that is a huge part of it but we already talked about it in the beginning so the other half of my antidote is i just finished my first week on the new job and it's been pretty great like i feel refreshed in life (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes uh and i'm just like ready to take on this new adventure i love uh, it it's pretty much it like i've been waiting for this day kind of to mm-hmm. see what else is out there and now i'm in this new position and it's cool to be um acknowledging that i've reached that moment i've yeah yeah so that is my antidote <laughs> i love that and i'm glad you d- you're doing that because i feel like most of us we don't really take the time to sit and appreciate where we've come from and where we are now mm-hmm. and really hitting those milestones for ourselves. So yeah. proud of you, Boo, too. We're Thank really you. going onwards and upwards, aren't we? We are. <laughs> this is the start of the rest of our lives. Yes. No, truly. <laughs> it truly is. Like, it definitely feels like there's a little bit of a shift in the mm-hmm. universe of like something fresh and new is happening. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cool to share that with you guys, Poison Pals. I feel like you've kind of been with us from the beginning and all our journeys and ups and downs and uh, as we're moving forward and moving upwards in life, which is really cool. And yeah. glad to share that with you guys. Um, on that note, let's head on out. So Megan. Yeah, here we go. Take us on out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't risk it. For that deworming biscuit. <laughs> oh, I hate the, I hate that sound of deworming. Also, I was thinking about the name of this episode is going to be like 
it's not a horse medication. <laughs> yeah. Or like, just, you know, like a very yeah. standard PSA in my head, though. I was like, I it's hope like- we call this episode horsing around. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes okay wait no no let's do that that's even okay. way better all right you heard it here first uh, poison pals is how we come up with titles so yes. if you get to the end of this uh now you'll know why it's called horsing around exactly here's your little nugget bts or easter egg as they say okay yeah. please rate and review and subscribe all that good stuff okay bye bye <laughs>